2 Samuel chapter number 15. I hope you've had a good week. How many of you have had a good week? All right. Not everybody's hand went up. All right. I hope that uh, today will change that for you. And uh, listen, if you didn't have a good week this week, maybe God will give you a great day today and a good week this week as we enter into the new week. We've been going through this series, and I've really enjoyed studying. I've studied David's life over all these years that I've been saved now. And uh, I've never really approached First and Second Samuel uh, from some of the standpoints that we have in our Sunday school hour. And I love this uh, little thought about truth and dare and how God's given us his word, which is truth. Jesus said, I am the truth. And so, so when we think about our lives, every day as a Christian, we're, we're facing spiritual battles. And, you know, God wants us to understand that if we're going to live godly in Christ Jesus, we're going to suffer persecution. We need to also understand that we need to be earnestly contending for the faith, standing in our day and, of course, engaging. And the way we engage with the enemy, just the same way Jesus did, was by, by deploying or giving out the truth. And so we have to know the truth because if we know it, the Bible says the truth shall make you free. So this morning we're looking at uh, an interesting aspect of David's life, and I've entitled this, and every one of them have been dare to do something, just like Daniel's life, dare to be a Daniel. Today's lesson is dare to be meek, and the meekness is something that the Bible teaches. It's something we need to understand, and we're going to use the first six verses here and a few other verses this morning from 2 Samuel chapter 15, and look what the Bible says here in verse number one. It came to pass after this, that Absalom prepared his chariots and horses and 50 men to run before him. And Absalom rose up early and stood beside the way of the gate. And it was so that when any man that had a controversy came to the king for judgment, then Absalom called unto him and said, Of what city art thou? And he said, Thy servant is one of the tribes of Israel. And Absalom said unto him, See, thy matters are good and right, but there is no man deputed uh, of the king to hear thee. Absalom said, Moreover, O oh, that I were made judge in the land, that every man which had any suit or cause might come unto me, and I would do him justice. And it was so that when any man came nigh to him to do him obeisance, he put forth his hand and took him and kissed him. And on this manner did Absalom to all Israel that came to the king for judgment. So Absalom stole the hearts of the men of Israel. Again, you think of David's life. Absalom's one of David's sons. David, of course, we've studied in the past, past weeks, that David, of course, committed the sin with Bathsheba. And, and what we find yet again today is David is dealing with his son by the name of Absalom. Now, David, we know from studying the Word of God, David was a great warrior and a king. He was a mighty man who led, as the Bible calls them, mighty men. Uh, David was a man's man. He was a man, as the Bible says, that had a heart after God. One of the things that I, I want you to see from today's lesson is this, that there were many ways that David showed great strength, but today's lesson points out the fact that the way he showed great strength in this portion of the Word of God is 
through his meekness and his love that he had for Absalom. Now that's easy to say, but as we'll look at, maybe you already know the story of Absalom and what Absalom did. You got a little snapshot that we just read in those first six verses. But David had a meekness and a love for his son. Now somebody define meekness, and I think you have it there in your outline, that meekness is defined as to be easily imposed on. Easily imposed on. Uh, my wife and I had a couple days that we were able to get away. I, I was uh, preaching uh, for the college out in California, and God gave us a wonderful time. We're glad to be back. Uh, I, I enjoy always going out there, but I love home. I love it here. I love our church. And uh, we got a chance to go out there. And uh, some of the time that we were out there, they had asked certain people to, to host us, to uh, take us out for a meal or whatever. And on uh, Friday uh, for dinner, we had on our paperwork that there was supposed to be this couple that was supposed to take us out for, for a meal. <clears throat> and uh, so I, I, they didn't say anything to us when we saw them the day before about, hey, we're looking forward to going to dinner with you or anything like that. And I, did, I didn't think nothing about it. And I hadn't heard anything from them. So I texted them and said, hey, are we still doing dinner tonight? And the response came back. Uh, by way of, of a text message, uh, were we supposed to take you to dinner? <laughs> and, uh, and, so I, and so I texted back and I said, well, I said, uh, we're okay if you guys, uh, if you're not able to. I said, we were just told uh, on the itinerary that, that you all were supposed to take us to dinner. I said, but uh, we're okay. I said, we're actually going to go do some running around and and if, if you are not able to or whatever, well, then the text came back, well, listen, we'd love to go to, to dinner with you. And, and, you know, it was almost like we, we feel, you know, bad about the miscommunication or whatever it was. And here's what I said to them. I said, I don't want to impose on you. That's what I said to them. And the, and the response came back because they're dear friends of ours. Listen, you're not imposing. We'd love to go to dinner with you. And we went out with them. We had a great time and uh, ate too much. We, we had a great time. And, and, and listen, some, when, when you think of meekness, again, keep that in your mind as we're talking about this passage this morning, to be easily imposed upon. Now, when we follow the biblical principle of, of, the, of what the Bible teaches about meekness, it, it's really something that you find in the book of Romans. Look in this verse, chapter 12, verse 10. The Bible says in that verse, in honor, preferring one another. When we, when we practice meekness in our lives, you know, you know who we're being just like? Jesus. We're following, we're patterning our lives after the Lord Jesus Christ who lived his life as the ultimate example. Because think about this, Jesus lived his life on this earth and everything he did, he did for others. Matter of fact, he gave his life for others. And, and I want you to think about David's life as David lived a life and, and, and had the, this matter of meekness in his life. Now, we're looking at Absalom and this whole situation with his son. And I want you to see this morning, the first aspect in this area of meekness began with the crisis. Because as you study David's life, David had been the authority in, in his life. God had put him in a position... But you do understand that anytime God has a plan, Satan also has a plan. And what Satan's always trying to do is 
to undermine the plan of God. You see, God has a plan. Matter of fact, God gave us his, we call him Jesus Christ. Satan's plan is the Antichrist. You see, the devil's a counterfeiter. Uh, he's always trying to undo or undermine what God wants to do in our lives and in the lives of others. And so Satan was working in this situation uh, It's something that God had already ordained. And you can mark it down in our lives. We can't afford in our lives, you can in yours and I can in mine, we cannot afford to let our guard down. Because when we let our guard down, that's when we're going to be uh, most vulnerable. Uh, opportune times. Look what the Bible says. I know you know these verses in 1 Peter 5. Be sober. That's not talking about, you know, this matter of, of not drinking and things like that. It means to be aware, to be awake, to be watchful. It says, it says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour, Notice verse 9, whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. So here, when we think about this matter of, uh, of the crisis in David's life, look, I can tell you that this has happened in my life so many times. There, sometimes in our lives, there's a contentment, there's a calmness to our lives. But that contentment and calmness can easily turn into a crisis very quickly. It can happen with a text, a phone call, a doctor's visit. I mean, it, things can just become unraveled in just a short amount of time. And when that happens, or even before that happens, we have to make sure that we are staying close to God at all times because when those times happen, the Bible says God is our refuge. You, know, you study the Old Testament, it talks about those cities that people could flee to, those cities of refuge. And so when you think of the crisis that David was going through, look at what it started with. It started with Absalom challenging, he challenged David. Now remember, David is his dad. He's challenging his father. We read the passage there where Absalom positioned himself there at the city, at the gate. That was a place of prominence in the Bible. Absalom puts himself in this position where people are coming by and he, 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 he kind of uh, makes uh, some little comments. And the Bible actually says there in verse number six that he positioned himself where he, he stole the hearts of Israel from David. How pathetic for a son to do that. Uh, I know of a son right now that, I'll be honest with you, I, I, I'm not the Holy Spirit and I'm not God in his life, but some of the things that he's doing is hurting his father. And I don't get that. I don't get why a son would rebel against or would come out against the, the father in this situation, it was Absalom doing that. Absalom was trying to place himself in a position that was not his to take. I mean, nobody said, David certainly didn't say, hey, Absalom, listen, I've got a job for you. David didn't ask Absalom 
to put himself there at, at the gate. You know, and when Absalom begins this whole escapade, it seemed really innocent. You know, Absalom kind of presents himself as, as a problem solver. You know, the truth was he wasn't going to be the problem solver. He was going to become the problem is what he was going to be. But that's how he, that's how he sells himself. His innocence was accompanied by, and here's the key, is by disloyalty. He was being disloyal to his dad. Uh, the comments about his father, the king of Israel, he was insinuating that, you know, listen, if my father really cared about you, then my father would, would have somebody here to help you with problems in your life. He, he, he would have somebody here helping you as best as, as he or they could. And so what David sees here or hears back from is that Absalom is trying to draw people to himself stealing their hearts. And that same sentiment is something that you find in the book of Isaiah, chapter 14. Look at that verse there. You probably uh, remember it from even last week, talking about Lucifer, who said, I will be like the Most High. That's, that's, that was the sentiments of the devil. And of course, we know what God thought about that comment. God cast him out of heaven. Uh, you, you look at Proverbs 6, these couple verses here, and, and of course, all of them are, are tremendous verses, but Verse 16 and verse 19, these six things doth the Lord, what's that next word say? Hate. Now you have to understand God's definition of the word hate and what we think of the word hate. But the Bible says here there's a list here of things that God does not look well to. And the Bible says here, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And in verse number 19, he ends that list and notice how it says, and he that soweth discord among the who? Brethren. Listen, God help us when there's something. Folks, look, we have to understand that we're guided by the word of God. We're guided by truth. And sometimes we might have a, a difference of opinion or something like that. But we should never, like Absalom did to his daddy, we should never sow discord among the brethren it ought not to be i'm glad we have a church that that I, I don't believe that spirit's here but sometimes what happens is is that we want to share things we want the 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 notoriety we want to sit in the uppermost seats so that people can hear us and and we have to be reminded that what people need to do is do things God's way, to be guided by the Word of God. God says, listen, these six things do I hate, and he names off, and one of those things in that list is, he that soweth discord among the brethren. And this was what Absalom was doing. In other words, God wasn't pleased with what this son was doing. By the way, he was doing it to his dad, but he was really doing it to all of Israel, the people of God. And it was hurting Look, anytime we try to sow discord, by the way, here's a good practice. Somebody comes up to you and wants to talk to you about something, you need to be spiritually discerning enough to know that what they're saying to you is not wholesome and godly and good. And then what you need to say to them is, I don't really think I want to hear what you have to say. Or you might say something like this, you know, listen, I, I, I'm hearing what you're saying. Why don't, let's, let's go talk to the pastor about it. 
You want to stop their discord? That'll stop it just like that. The problem is, is that many times what we do is we give an ear to somebody. And that's what was happening in, in Absalom's day is that people had problems and they felt, you know, now it's always amazed me sometimes how the pastor is the last to know something. People come to me and, you know, it, it, listen, God's given us some wonderful men who are deacons here at our church. I'm thankful for all of them. Every one of them are great men of God. But can I tell you that if you have something that maybe needs attention or needs to be discussed, God didn't put those deacons here so that you could go to them. They're, they're servants to help the people of God. And so every one of those deacons know that if there is something that somebody comes to them, then their response would be, let's go to pastor and talk about that. But instead, what happens is, is that we want to go to everybody else and talk about it instead of going to the, maybe the one person or the right person that can help us with that situation. Are you all with me this morning? So, so here's what happens is, is that if we don't do things right, now Absalom stole the hearts of the people. You know what the devil wants to do? The devil wants to steal the hearts of the church. See, when there's discord in the church, it's going to do the same thing that it did in David's family. It's going to cause problems. So we have to be spiritually discerning about this. And Absalom, he began this by challenging David. Absalom had no regard for the Lord because if he did, he would have done things God's way. And he certainly had no regard for the Lord's anointed, which was his dad at this time. And, and that's what we see here, that he tried to turn the favor that David had with the people, he tried to turn that favor to himself. So notice the crisis began with Absalom challenging David, but notice, secondly, David was faced with a dilemma. When, when Absalom began to challenge his father, okay, now David is faced with a dilemma. Now, here's, here's, there's two choices that David could have, one of two choices. One is David could have, could have chosen to stand and fight and defend his throne. Now, I hope you hear this this morning. Because David had every right to do that. It was his throne. God gave him. God put him in that position. David could have said, look, I'm where God put me. This is, this is what God has for my life. This is God's will for my life. David could have took a stand and he could have fought for his throne. That's one choice. The second choice is to step aside and let God handle the situation. Now, I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life, I know which one of those choices I would have made. I would have said to myself, and I would have tried to justify it in every way, I know I'm right, I know I'm in the center of God's will. I mean, I would have had my little, uh, I, you know, and if you notice, it's all, it was all about I, 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 which sounds just like Satan. To step aside? I mean, seriously. God put me here. And many times, that's what we want to do is, we want to take a stand. We want to plead our case instead of saying, look, I'm just going to give it to God. I'm going to let the Lord handle this. And I think it's a great lesson that we can learn is 
that although Absalom was wrong, what did David do? You read the Bible. David fled the city. He was the king. He left the city earlier in David's life. You remember we covered this many, many weeks ago. Where Remember how Saul was trying to take David's life and he tried it with a javelin a couple times? Remember what David did? David had an opportunity. He cut, uh, cut the hem off of his garment one time. David could have taken Saul's life, but he never raised his hand against the Lord's anointed. Now, in that instance, guess what? Saul was wrong. But David chose to not raise his hand against the Lord's anointed. And so David knew, listen, just like in the past, God has always taken care of me. I don't get this whole thing with my boy. I don't understand why Absalom's doing this. But I just know this, God has helped me in the past, and God will do it again. What a great place to be in your life, to realize that although you may be right, I'm just going to let God handle this. How many of you think that's a good thing to do? Now, what I find is interesting is when all this is happening, when Absalom is challenging his father, the people, the family and the servants and all those during this time of crisis, they remained loyal to the leadership that God had placed over them in their lives. I think that speaks well of those people. That although there was a crisis going on, they stayed loyal to David. They knew the wisdom in following the man that God had placed over them. Now, we may not always understand. I mean, I've had people in my life that God has placed in my life as leadership. Sometimes I don't always understand everything. But I find that there's wisdom in that. You see, doing the right thing sometimes will necessitate paying a price. Doing the right thing is it's seldom easy, and sometimes it's not convenient to do the right thing, but it's still the right thing. For instance, if you think about in the Bible, there's a couple of great examples. Abraham in his day. Just like David, Abraham was faced with a dilemma. And how did Abraham respond? Well, he responded the same way David did with, with Absalom. He responded with meekness. Look at these verses here you have in your notes from Genesis 13. The Bible says there was strife between the herdmen of Abraham's, uh, Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. And the Canaanite and the Perizzite dwell, uh, dwell, uh, dwelled then in the land. And Abraham, or Abraham, uh, Abram said unto Lot, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, between my herdmen and thy herdmen. For we be, what's that word? Brethren. Brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou wilt take the left hand, then I will go to the right. And if thou depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. Sounded to me like he was easily to be imposed on. Sounds to me like Abram, even though he was right, he was faced with a dilemma. And he says, look, we're brothers. It's not worth it. If you go to the left, I'll go to the right. If you go to the right, I'll go to the left. See, he was faced with a dilemma. He responded in meekness. How about Jesus? You think about the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he went through for us. He was faced with a dilemma. How did Jesus respond? With meekness. Look what the Bible says in Isaiah 53, and this was many hundreds of years before Jesus died for our sins. Isaiah said he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. 
He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is dumb, so opened not his mouth. Boy, how, how hard is that for us to keep our lips together? When we know we're right and they're wrong, but we respond to the dilemma with meekness. Now, you want, look what Peter writes, and by the way, all scriptures give by inspiration of God. God gave these words to Peter, and I want you to see them because we too, when we're faced with dilemmas, how should we respond? Same way Abram, same way Jesus did. Look at the Bible says here in 1 Peter chapter 2, for even here unto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again, when he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. Did you hear what the Bible says? Committed, Jesus committed himself to his father. And guess what God wants us to do? Same exact thing. Just like David did, respond the way David did, respond the way that Abram did, respond the way that Jesus did, that even though we might be right and they're wrong, listen, we can take a stand. You know, we're going to be faced with a dilemma. We can take a stand knowing that we're right, or we can do like David and do like Jesus, and we can respond with meekness. We can just give it to the Lord. That's what, that's what the Bible says here. David trusted the ultimate plan of God. He rested consistently in the trial that God had him in. Did you hear that this morning? In the trial God had him in. So when we look at it, it, it all began with a crisis. Absalom, the son of David, challenged David. David was faced with a dilemma. So notice the crisis led to a conflict. When you look at this conflict, remember, here's what happens. First of all, David is on the run. He flees the city. Uh, those outside of David's uh, inner circle, and, and many times, even Jesus, Jesus had 12 apostles, but many times they called certain of those apostles the inner circle, which would be Peter, James, and John. You find in the Bible they had privileges, opportunities to be with Jesus when the rest of the disciples weren't there. Well, David had an inner circle also. And some of those in David's inner circle they had varying responses to this. I mean, think about it. David's the king and David's on the run. And so everybody's going to respond to things a little bit differently. Here's one of those men in David's inner circle. His name was Ziba. The Bible refers to him as Ziba. And this man by the name of Ziba, he was a great blessing to David. See, while David was on the run, Ziba provided for some things for David. He provided transportation for David. He provided some food, the Bible records, for David. He also provided some medical assistance. I mean, you, you had to understand how much of a blessing to David, who's on the run, the generosity of Ziba meant to him. I mean, you, you ever had somebody like that in your life? When you're struggling, you're, you're going through a trial? By the way, that's why as a church, a lot of times when somebody's dealing with something, a lot of times we might take them some meals. We might go, go make a visit or something like that. We, we pray for them. There's many ways that we can, we can be a Ziba in people's lives. 
And it was such a help to David, such an encouragement, a blessing to have somebody step in and, and kind of be there for him during a very difficult time. David certainly needed a lift in his life, and that's exactly what Ziba provided for David. And by the way, God was the one that was using Ziba to be a blessing. I hope you understand that this world and, and Christianity needs more uh, Barnabases, sons of, and daughters of consolation encouragers. I, I guarantee you in the auditorium, folks, this amount of people here this morning, that someone's going through a trial right now. And, and God is well aware of it. And God may use you to be a zeba to that person. You know, they're, they're, maybe they're not running from their son that's rebelling against them, but maybe they're, they're dealing with something and their heart's heavy this morning. And what you ought to say is, God, give me the sensitivity to see that to, in my brother or sister so that I can be a zeba to that person. And that was one of the responses by those in David's inner circle. Another individual uh, outside of Zeba was, was someone else. But it, it, listen, when you think about how the kind of friend that God wants you to be, look what the Bible says in James chapter number two. Look at these words. What doth it profit my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and hath not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked or destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, and be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what, profit, what doth it profit? Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. I hope you understand that portion of Scripture dealing with what James is writing there is not talking about salvation. But it is talking about the fact that if we see a need in a brother or sister, and we look, we give them lip service, but we do absolutely nothing to help them, how are we, how are we being a brother or sister to them? If we know of a need, uh, you know, see the need, take the lead. We have to see that, that, that we need to be more like Zeba. But there was someone else in this day that was the opposite of Zeba. His name, the Bible says, is Shemei. Now, the, Shemei was a, a, an individual that was loyal to Saul, not David. Shemei was a man that, that had nothing but contempt for David. Now, again, you can understand that because he was loyal to Saul. Shemei was not a Zeba, and when Shemei saw, and he, he, was, he positioned himself, he just happened to be in a place where he saw what was going on, he saw what Absalom was doing, and he saw that David was fleeing the city, running for his life. He didn't quite understand all of it. The Bible records that Shemei, seeing David flees, what does he do? He begins to curse at David. And he begins to throw stones at him. Now that's quite the opposite of a Ziba, somebody that's encouraging. And when, when Shemei was doing this, when he's cursing David and he's throwing stones at David, this just added to the heavy heart that David already had. You know, you ever heard the saying, kick them when they're down? That's kind of what was going on here. Shemei is just adding to that. And Shemei mistakes David's meekness for weakness. 
Now let me back up for just a second. Remember, David had, he was faced with a dilemma. He could take a stand, he could defend his throne, he could say, look, I'm right, my son's wrong, or he could just let God handle it. He chose meekness to, to be easily imposed upon, so he flees the city. Shemei sees that. He doesn't understand meekness. And Shemei begins to curse David, and he begins to throw stones at David. And what does David do? Well, again, he responds with meekness. David holds his peace. Remember what Jesus, when he was reviled, he reviled not back. That means when people cursed at Jesus, Jesus didn't curse back. Christians shouldn't curse and swear. That's what the world does. And so David did the same thing. He just trusted God, even in this situation with Shemei, that, that, that doesn't understand meekness, that, that perceived David's meekness as weakness. The Lord spoke to his followers, and by the way, we are disciples of the Lord. And I want you to see what Jesus said to them, which is still written to us, when we face adversity in our lives, we are to respond with meekness. Look at these verses in Matthew 5. And I know a lot of people don't like these verses. Jesus said, Ye have heard that it hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Notice this next phrase, but I say unto you, who is the eye? Jesus. And who is Jesus? He's God. How many of you are saved today? Okay, so he's your God, right? And here's what Jesus says to us as his children. Notice, I say unto you that ye resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. When David responded to Shimei the way that he did in meekness, you know how he was responding? He was responding like the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what we need to understand is, look, crisis will come into our lives, and with the crisis is going to come conflict. Because the world doesn't perceive things the way God does. And David's on the run, and notice that while David's on the run, notice I see here that Absalom is on the throne. Why? Because David's left the city. See, Absalom has moved from the gate to where now Absalom is on the, on the throne. Absalom felt that he had arrived, and, and he knew in his heart that his father was a powerful man. And Absalom thought to himself, well, look, I'm not safe as long as my father is a free man. You know, he's trying to think this whole thing through. By the way, when we're doing something that we shouldn't be doing, Oftentimes, what we're doing is trying to cover our tracks and make sure that somebody's not watching us, somebody's not following us. And that's exactly what Absalom was doing. He wanted to make sure that this whole thing was not going to backfire on him. So he, he gets together some of his counselors, and he begins to try to get some counsel from them. And two plans are offered to Absalom about how to handle this situation with his dad. And of those two plans, the first man, his name was Ahithophel. And Ahithophel's plan was, David, here's what we need, or Absalom, here's what we need to do. In order to take care of this situation with your daddy, what we need to do is get about 12,000 men together right now 
and we need to go find your dad and basically deal with this situation. He says, we need to go against David tonight. And that was the counsel of Ahithophel. Now, the other counsel that he received was from a man by the name of Hushai. What Absalom didn't know was Hushai was actually working undercover for David. By the way, I just think it's just like the book of Esther, right? Uh, you find Esther, God had Esther in a place for such a time as this. Well, Hushai was, was right where God wanted him to be. And, and, and we see here that Hushai gives some counsel. He advises De, uh, Absalom. And he, here's what he says. We need to raise an army out of Israel. Uh, and, and he says, and we need to do this to go against David. He says, Absalom, you can lead them. Now think about that. If they're going to have to raise an army, that's going to take some time. So Ahithophel's uh, whole advice, counsel was, we need to go do this and do it right now. But, but Hushai's counsel was, no, no, no. We need to get an army together. We need to get everybody assembled. That's going to take time. And by the way, all that's going to do is give God time to work. And so what happens is, is that Absalom listens to the counsel of Hushai. Why? Because it appealed to his pride. See, Absalom was a man just swelled up with pride. And the Bible says, look in 2 Samuel 17, verse 14, Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the counsel of Hushai, the archite, is better than the counsel of Ahithophel, for the Lord hath appointed to defeat the good counsel of Ahithophel to the intent that the Lord might bring evil upon who? Not upon David, right? But upon Absalom. See, this was all God's working. God, remember, and the reason was because David says, look, instead of me taking a stand, I'm going to respond in meekness. I'm just going to let the Lord handle it. David flees. And what somebody said years ago was, what man proposes, God disposes. In other words, God's, God's going to get the final word trials will come to all of us all of us face trials but when when we those trials come we have the same choice that david did we can choose to fight or we can allow god to handle the situation so the crisis came his son rebelled against him the conflict was there but let me give you as paul harvey says the rest of the story all right the conclusion because remember david decided i'm just going to let god deal with this so here's what I find is, is that Absalom, again, in his pride, Absalom is, is, is trying to deal with this. And, and one of the things, I always think that God has a sense of humor that Absalom took such great pride in. Does anybody know what it was? His hair. He was a pretty boy. And he loved his hair. And Absalom, this, this was something that, that came back on him. And so notice as you look at the conclusion to this, this story this morning that I see, first of all, that Absalom, remember, he was on the throne, but now Absalom's in the grave. Kind of interesting how he went from the throne down so fast. Uh, in the Bible, the Bible records, and I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of move the story along this morning, but Hushai, the one that gave the counsel to David, Hushai gets word to David. Remember, he was kind of working for David undercover. Hushai gets word to David about Absalom's plan, about the, the plan that he offered, and Absalom says, yeah, yeah, let's do that. So he gets word back to David, and here's what happens. Remember those faithful men that David had? These men said, you know what? We're going to take action. We're going to do something 
to try to reclaim the throne for David. And when David hears that, that they're going to go and try to reclaim his throne, David, even though he, he knew what his son was doing to him, David tells them, when you find Absalom, deal with him kindly. That amazes me. You know, I'd be like, give him a good whooping. You know? He needs to understand what he's done. But again, you still see David's heart was in spite of the wrong of Absalom. David says, look, when you find him, deal gently with him, deal kindly with him. And so the Bible records that David's men destroyed Absalom's army, wiped him out. And Absalom now is no longer lifted up in his pride. As a matter of fact, he's now got his tail between his legs. And the Bible records that he's, he's, kind of, uh, he's, he's fleeing for his life now, and he's on a mule. And we know the story that his hair gets caught in, in some tree branches, and Absalom is left dangling from this, this tree by those long locks that he loves so much. And when this happens, one of David's servants actually spotted him. I mean, how can you miss a guy hanging from a tree by his hair, you know? Now, here's the thought. He, David's servant, he had, he had a choice to make at that point. I hope you hear this this morning, because many times what we do is we take things into our own hands. See, he was one of David's loyal servants. He loved David. He knew David was right. And he could have easily said, you know what, Absalom's been nothing but a thorn in his father's side. He was wrong for what he did. He stole the hearts of the, of the people of Israel from his daddy. And he could have said, you know what, I'm going to take his life. And he could have thought, and that'd probably be the right thing to do. But then he thought to himself, wait a minute. I remember what David said to me. That if you find him, deal with him gently. So he chose not to take Absalom's life. He saw him there hanging from the tree. He had an opportunity, but he was committed to doing what the king wanted. Look at the Bible says in Proverbs 4, 4. He taught me also and said unto me, let thine heart retain my words, keep my commandments, and live. In the New Testament, there's a verse very similar to that. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if ye love me, keep my commandments. You know what that means? Even when we see wrong in this world and in our lives, and we might be right, right and they're wrong, and we can, take, we, we, can, we can do something, we need to be that committed to God to do the right thing, to just let the Lord handle it. Jesus said, if you love me, then do what I ask you to do. And this servant could have taken Absalom's life, but because he loved the king, and what the king said was his word. He chose not to do that. But if you know the Bible, there was a man by the name of Joab. Joab didn't have the same spirit that that servant had that left the king's son hanging there. Joab decided, hey, listen, I know what's best. So what did he do? He took three darts and he thrust them through the heart of Absalom. He took his life. He went against the king, the word of the king. He ended Absalom's life. 
You know, his attitude was just like a lot of people in the world today. Just like the attitude in the Old Testament of the man by the name of Pharaoh. And look at these words that Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Think of those words. Because you might not say what Pharaoh said, but if you go against what God has said, you might as well say it. You're saying, look, I know better than God. See, I love the heart of that servant. Even though he had an opportunity, he was committed to the word of the king. And he chose not to go against it. So we see Absalom in the conclusion of this. Remember, David responded with meekness. Instead of David taking a stand, he says, you know what? I'm just going to leave it up to God. I'm going to let God handle this. So what happens? Absalom is in the grave. And where's David? David's on the throne. (laughs) David left the throne. God handled it. Guess where David found himself back on? The throne. See, God took care of it. I hope this is a great lesson to you today that, listen, David knew that he had obeyed God. He exercised meekness in his life, and what happened? God worked. What, is, what did Jesus say in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Some people could have accused David of being weak, even being a coward. You know, how could the guy flee for his life? But look, God's timing, God's ways, they're always perfect. God knows what he's doing. Absalom was judged, but David was vindicated. And we learn a great lesson here that as believers, we need to make sure that we're responding to trials in a way that both is led of God, but it also honors the Lord. I want you to write down a passage there on your paper, and I'll let you read this on your own. But I think meekness is something all of us need in our lives. I'm going to give you a psalm that I want you to write down this reference, and then I want you to read this maybe later today, maybe sometime this week, and and it'll help us in this area of responding with meekness, even when we're right and somebody else is wrong. Write this down, Psalm 37, verses 1 through 11. And this is a Psalm of David, and it, it, it will help us to develop meekness in our own lives. And I want you to read that psalm, and I want you to try to incorporate that into your own life. All right? Lord, thank you for the opportunity that we have, that even though we may be wronged, Lord, may we do as David, we learn to just put it into your hands, to trust you, knowing that you're, you're in control. God, I thank you for the great examples in the Bible, Abram and others that responded to dilemmas with meekness, but I'm most of all thankful for the example that we have of your dear son. Help us to follow in his steps to be more like Jesus every day, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.